Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. morning. Um, As I start, I want to mention one thing. There is a group from here, a group of our youth and sponsors and Addison. They're down at Lubbock this morning. Uh, They went this weekend for, uh, it's called, what, Encounter LE or something like that. But anyway, a youth group activity. And I would really like to ask you to keep them in your prayers as they travel back to be with us today. So pray that the weekend that they've had has been really uplifting to them, that it's been encouraging, that they'll come back to us with that spirit and they will kind of infuse us with the same spirit that they're going to come back with. So keep them in your prayers. I also want to mention what happened here last week. Last week was our Fall Pack the Pulpit Sunday, and you guys responded, as you always do, in a wonderful way by bringing a great amount of food, by giving us a lot of money so we can do some shopping to fill in around the edges with that. Um, Most of the boxes have already gone out to the different families. There's still a few still to be delivered. I'm hearing a lot of good reports about that way that's been received and the way people have been appreciative of the boxes that they've uh, been able to get from what you guys gave last week. So thank you for that. Thank you for blessing this ministry and blessing our community with the food that you brought. So we're in the midst of a four-part mini-sermon series. And it's kind of focused on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's intended to help us to refocus and continue to focus on what life looks like lived out of the boat and out on the water with Jesus. So today's sermon is the third sermon in that series. And we'll conclude the series in two weeks. Next week we'll have what has become a tradition here at Netherwood Park. It's a traditional after Thanksgiving service. Our focus will be on giving thanks to God. Not thanks to God for all the material things he's given us, but giving thanks to God because he's blessed us with his son, Jesus Christ. So next week, here's something else to be thankful for. We won't have a traditional sermon Instead, we'll be giving thanks through scripture and through song and through prayer and through our communion. So you won't want to miss next Sunday. Come prepared next Sunday to be blessed and to give thanks for our blessings. If you'll remember, we began this series at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of that sermon, he told a story, a story of two different builders. First, there was that wise builder. He built his house on the rock. And as all the kids in the audience know, the rains came down and the streams came up. The winds blew and beat against the house, but the wise man's house stood firm. 
In contrast, there's that foolish builder. He built his house on the sand. And the rains came and the streams rose and the wind beat against that house. But the foolish man's house went smash. It collapsed. And in that story, Jesus challenged us to decide whether we're going to be wise or if we're going to be foolish. And for Jesus, the dividing line between wisdom and foolishness is really quite simple. Wisdom hears Jesus. Wisdom listens to Jesus' sermon and then goes and does what he says. But on the other side of the line, foolishness hears Jesus. Foolishness listens to Jesus' words, listens to his sermon, and then goes and they don't do what he says. So last week we moved from the end of the sermon to the beginning of the sermon. We moved from that end where Jesus gives us that wise or foolish challenge to the beginning of the sermon. And we see that Jesus began his sermon with a series of blessings. Here's how Jesus began his sermon. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began teaching them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Eight different blessings. And those blessings are crucial to us because we know that we're not natural-born water walkers. We know that's true, don't we? We know that we're damaged. We know that we're flawed. We know that we're weak. We know that there's no way that we're going to be able to navigate walking out on the water with Jesus on our own, by our own power. But fortunately for us, God demonstrates his power over and over again through flawed and damaged and weak people. In fact, I believe that God takes great pleasure in accomplishing his mission through people just like us. So we may not be natural-born water walkers, but God powerfully blesses us to join in his mission. And it's not through our power, it's through his power. So the lesson that we took away from the beginning of Jesus' sermon, that whatever Jesus calls us to do, Jesus also enables us to do. So when Jesus calls us to be wise by doing what he says, he also enables us to be wise by doing what he says. And I believe that's why Jesus began his sermon not with commands, but with blessings. Because we need his blessings in order to be able to do what he commands. It's when we know and accept that God will be, for, be there with us with his blessings. 
It's then that we're able to overcome our fears and get out of the boat and join him out on the water. We're able to get out of our comfortable boats because we, are, we know we are blessed by God. We know we are loved by God, and we know that God is holiness close to him, holiness close to his side. So that helped us answer the question of how we're able to get out of our boats. But it leaves another important question unanswered, and that unanswered question is the why question. Why get out of our boats? Why get out of those comfortable boats and join Jesus in his work out on the scary and often unpredictable water. Why not just stay in our comfortable boats or stay in our comfortable pews or stay in our comfortable routines or stay in our comfortable ruts? Why get out of the boat? And that's the question that Jesus addresses next. Matthew Chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus continues on with his sermon and he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Why get out of the boat? Why join Jesus out on the water? Well, according to Jesus, we leave those comfortable boats. We leave our comfortable pews. We leave our comfortable routines. We leave our comfortable ruts for the very same reason that Jesus left the comforts of heaven. We leave to join Jesus in his mission. Why do we get out of our boats and join Jesus out on the water? Well, when Jesus calls his disciples out of their boats, it isn't just about what they need. It's also about what the world needs. See, we're called to join Jesus in his mission for the sake of the world. See, in a very real way, we, disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, we're a gift of God to the world. The world needs us. What's your reaction to that? The world needs you. Do you find that a bit intimidating? I know I do. My thoughts go something like this. I mean, what do I possess that could possibly make a difference in this world? We might wonder, what do we have that we can take with us when we leave our boats that would actually make a difference in our world, that would add to God's mission in the world. Well, here in his sermon, Jesus says, you have two things to take to the world. You have two gifts that the world desperately needs. He says, you have salt and you have light. Is that what Jesus says? Well, that's not really what Jesus says. It's not exactly right, is it? 
Jesus doesn't say you have salt and you have light. What does Jesus say? Jesus says you are salt. You are light. You are salt to the earth. You are light to the world. So what do we have? What do we possess? What can we take to the world that will actually make a difference? And the answer is we have ourselves to take to the world. We are salt. We are light. We don't package up salt and light. We don't take our container of Morton salt with us out and shake it on the world until it's empty and then retreat back to our boats. We don't grab our flashlight and take it out and shine it into the dark world until the batteries die and then retreat back to our boats. No, instead we literally embody salt and light. Salt and light aren't something we have. Salt and light are what we are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So what's your reaction to that? You are the salt. You are the light. I'd imagine for many of us the reaction is something like this. Well, hold on just a minute. Hold on for a minute because I don't feel very salty. Or maybe just slow down a minute because last time I checked, I wasn't burning very brightly. We might say, you know, there are a lot of saltier and brighter alternatives out there. Other people who can accomplish God's purposes. So send them out. Send them out of their boats. Or we might think, well, you know, just give me some more time. And once I'm salty enough, once I'm bright enough, then you can be sure that I'll hop right out of my boat. Then I'll join Jesus in his mission. And those are understandable reactions, aren't they? Those are natural reactions for us to have. But the problem with those reactions is that they're focused on us and they're focused on our weaknesses. But Jesus' focus is on him. And it's on his power. And it's on the world and what it needs. And in his power and by his power, what Jesus declares us to be is what we are. But it's also what we're becoming. Let me say that again. It might be kind of confusing. Confusing In his power and by his power, what Jesus declares us to be, that's what we are but it's also what we are becoming. Maybe this illustration will help. At the end of a wedding ceremony, I'm standing up front and I have two nervous 23-year-olds standing in front of me. They're nervous and they're excited. I'm not sure they've heard anything that I've said, but at the end of that wedding ceremony, I say, by the power vested in me, by the great state of New Mexico, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And it's true. I've been given that power. What I have pronounced is true. He is now a husband. She is now a wife. That's who they are. What I have declared them to be, that's what they are. But trust me, that's also what they are becoming. 
They don't really know what it means to be a husband and wife, do they? But that's still who they are because that's who I have declared them to be. So our hope and our prayer when we have those ceremonies at the end is that hopefully they'll spend the rest of their lives becoming the full embodiment of what I have pronounced them to be. Husband and wife, in good times and bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. What I've declared them to be, that's who they are. But it's also who they're becoming. Another illustration When you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, when you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, when you came out of the water, God in his power and by the power of Jesus' blood declared you holy. He declared you righteous. And what God declared you to be, that's what you are. It's also what you are becoming. So here in the sermon, what Jesus has declared us to be is what we are, but it's also what we are becoming. Jesus, in his power and by his power, has pronounced you salt. And he's pronounced you light. So that's what you are. It's also what you are becoming. So just like that nervous husband and wife, we hopefully will spend the rest of our lives becoming what Jesus has pronounced us to be. In good times and bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. By the power vested in him by his father God, Jesus has pronounced you salt and light. And Jesus, in his wisdom has declared that you don't become what he has pronounced you to be. You don't become salt and light by sitting in your boat. We don't become what he's pronounced us to be by hearing his words and not doing them. No, we become what he has pronounced us to be. We become salt and light by hearing and doing by leaving our boats and joining him in God's mission out in the world, out on the water. So how does that work? How do we give the world the salt and light that we know it so desperately needs? How do we further God's mission? How do we benefit the world? How can we be effective in influencing and changing the world around us? Well, it's really fairly simple. We give the world what it needs and we further God's mission and we benefit the world by acting like what Jesus has declared us to be. Here's some more of that simple theology. It goes like this. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, so go out and act like salt and light. It's pretty simple theology, right? Well, how does salt and light work well the only way that salt and light are effective is when they penetrate the environment where they're needed right the only way that salt and light work is when they add something to the world that the world is missing in a practical sense we know that's true of salt isn't it salt is only effective when it penetrates the food where it is needed where it is missing it adds that ingredient that is missing 
So Thanksgiving's coming up. I want you to do this on your Thanksgiving meal. When you take a bite of your mashed potatoes and you instantly realize that they need some salt, I want you to take the salt shaker and I want you to shake it and shake it and shake it in your tea glass. And then I want you to taste your potatoes and see if they taste any better. Well, that's ridiculous, right? Because the salt hasn't penetrated the potatoes. Of course they won't taste any better because the salt hasn't been applied to the potatoes. It's been applied somewhere where it wasn't needed. You might also want to take a drink of your tea and see how that tastes. It doesn't taste any better, right? Because you added something that wasn't even, even missing. Or maybe try this. The next time you're replacing a light bulb in that dark closet that you have, I want you to go to your kitchen and get your flashlight and turn it on and then leave it sitting on the counter in the kitchen shining brightly. Then go back to your closet and see if it's any easier to change that light bulb. Well, of course it isn't. Light is only effective when it penetrates the darkness where it's needed. It's only effective when it adds light where light is missing. And for us to be effective in the world, we must penetrate our world. See, we can't keep shaking our salt on our brothers and sisters inside the church walls and hope that somehow, magically, the world outside these walls is going to start tasting better. We can't keep focusing our light, shining our flashlights on our brothers and sisters inside these walls and hope that somehow, magically, light bulbs are going to start turning on in the dark world that surrounds our building. Jesus has pronounced us salt. So we need to penetrate the world to add salt to the world because the world desperately is missing Jesus' salt. And Jesus has pronounced us light. So we must penetrate the world around us and add light to that world because that's where Jesus' light is missing. So what ingredient can we add? What ingredient can we add that the world is missing? What's our salt? What's our light? What light can we shine that the world needs? What's our salt? What's our light? Well, in the remainder of Jesus' sermon and in other places where Jesus teaches, Jesus tells us that what the world needs, Jesus tells us how the world gets what it needs, and that is through us. Salt and light. See, it, it turns out that what the world needs is to be penetrated by wise people. Wise in the sense that they have heard Jesus' words and are actually doing them, living them out. What the world needs and what the world is missing are people who have been pronounced salt and light by Jesus and who are becoming salt and light as they live their lives. And so listen to how this works. In a world that's eager to retaliate, a world that's eager to sever relationships, Jesus tells us that we can add the salt of reconciliation and forgiveness. And in a dark world that's filled with deceit and dishonesty and corruption, Jesus tells us that we can shine the light of integrity. In a world that's marked by selfishness, Jesus tells us that we can spread the salt of 
generosity. And in this dark world that's filled with dark hate, Jesus tells us that we can shine the light of love. And as we live among people in this world who have no hope, Jesus tells us that we can pour the salt of prayer and bring them hope. And in this dark world of doubt, Jesus tells us that we can shine the light of our faith. See, in short, Jesus tells us that we can be salt and light to this foolish world through our wisdom. By hearing his words and doing what he says. That's how we become what he has declared us to be. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And I doubt that anyone here would disagree with me when I say that this world desperately needs us to be what Jesus has declared us to be. I also think that most of us would agree that we struggle to be what Jesus has declared us to be. So I want to end with a few challenging questions. These questions are designed to help us consider and even confront why we, why the church struggles to be salt to the earth and light to the world. So listen to these questions. Consider them, confront them. So my first question is this. Is the church a salt shaker or is it a light hiding basket? Is it a salt shaker or a light hiding basket? Well, what do I mean by that? What I'm asking is, is the church fulfilling its mission by sending salty and shiny people out into the world to bring salt and light where it's needed? Is the church in the business it should be in, the business of sending out? Or instead, is the church keeping all of its light hidden from the world and inside the church walls as we shine our lights on each other? Has the church moved into the business of keeping in instead of sending out? To put it another way, are we keeping all the salt and light to ourselves? Is the church operating as a salt shaker or a light hiding basket? That's question number one. Second question. Have we, has the church become so removed from the world that we're not even able to add what the world is missing? That's literally a penetrating question. What I'm asking is, have we put up so many barriers and so many walls designed to protect us from the world that what we have done instead is inadvertently kept the world safe from ever being touched by our salt, ever being touched by our light? Have we become so removed from the world that we can't add what the world is missing and so desperately needs? Or maybe we have the opposite problem. Have we instead become so much like the world that we can't penetrate the world because the world has so effectively penetrated us. What I'm asking to use Jesus' words is, have we lost our saltiness? Have our lights been dimmed? 
Have we quit becoming what Jesus has declared us to be and instead become what the world would want us to be? Have we quit being salt and light to the world? So as we end, I simply want to to speak again. I want you to listen again to Jesus pronounce who we are and who we must continue to be, who we must come to be for the sake of our world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus has declared us to be. So let's take who we are and let's go out and penetrate our world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being the God of all power and all wisdom. And Father, we don't understand why in your wisdom you would entrust your mission to to people like us, flawed, weak, damaged. And Father, we don't feel very salty. We don't feel very bright. So, Father, help us to look to your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to turn to you for the power that you have promised us. Father, you have given us your spirit to embolden us and enable us and empower us. So, Father, through your power, through the power of your son and the power of your spirit, help us to be what you have declared us to be, salt and light to the world. Father, let us be that shining city on a hill that cannot be hidden because we're shining so bright because of your power. And may people be attracted to you because of what they see you doing through us. And we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So we'll end as we usually do with our uncomfortable challenge. Amazingly enough, this is uncomfortable challenge number 45. As we enter Thanksgiving week, not only put some salt on your potatoes, also don't forget to thank God for all the faithful and loving, all the salty and shining servants that are at this church. Thank God for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are shining God's light into the world around us. Let's not stop giving thanks for each other. Now let's stand and sing and let's take the name of Jesus with us into the world for the sake of the world. Let's sing. Say you're like a shepherd.